I want a porno rope for my birthday. If I'm going to be stuck here like this, I want a porno rope for my birthday. And that's totally fair. These are my dilemmas in this day and age. They're valid dilemmas, but welcome everyone. This is the 50 Worst Dates podcast where we talk about <laughs> how to best celebrate your birthday during quarantine. My name is Amanda. It's a big dilemma, and I think we're finally figuring that out, that like, holy shit, all of the Aries had to spend their birthday in quarantine, and while the Tauruses will be fine, we gotta get out of here before it's Gemini season, so like... <laughs> That's the deal. That's the tea. And that's the tea. My name's Amanda. And I'm Katie. And I'm the one with the birthday. Yep. She's Rip. the Taurus. She's the Taurus. I'm the Cancer. We're astrological soulmates. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's great. Fine. I got a gin and tonic. It's sunny out. I haven't been outside in like three days, but I know it's sunny out. And this is the 50 Worst States podcast. What? Welcome. Today's episode 48. I believe so. We're we're creeping up on 50. We are creeping up. And today was an Amanda story. It was an Amanda tale. It was an Amanda choice. It, it what are we talking really, about today, my it's darling? Not, it's not really an Amanda story, even though I do have a story related. <laughs> um, it, today, you know, I felt like we should bring it back to something very educational, something heavily stigmatized and something that is incredibly important to discuss on a dating podcast. And that is all things nasty when it comes to sex. Ooh. So we're talking UTIs. We're talking STIs. We're talking W, no, YIs. <laughs> yeast infections uh it's like the wizard of oz but of disease not diseases infections utis yeah. scis yeast infections oh my and the sweet sounds of my sweet baby girl tonks scratching herself because it's oh, allergy she got a new collar today it looks fantastic oh you baby leave it she's going for rocky speed but I got her a new collar today, and it's a P.A. Mondrian um, piece, which if you oh. saw it, you would know. It's, like, color blocked. Ooh. You know what I'm talking about. He's a Dutch He's a Dutch painter. So sure. So how fitting. He's from the Netherlands. Although we were supposed to go to Copenhagen, it's still, you know, same region. It's pretty close. They're, like, real close, I feel like. Yeah, so, but anyway, today we're talking about all things that could possibly go wrong down under. And I wasn't going to say that in an Australian <laughs> accent because I can't say it in an Australian down accent. Down under. Everything so, that could go wrong in you yes, down under. Absolutely. So That was really you know, offensive to our Oceana listeners that we definitely have. The 1%. Absolutely. I've that got, little 1%, it's important. They make up a huge part of our heart. It is indeed. So Tonks is here with us. Tonks, do you have any important words? Yay! Oh, that was, that was like, magical. Anything else? 
Nope, just sniffing. Thank you. Thank okay. you so much for your time. You better keep that in. <laughs> she just sniffed the microphone yeah. and you can definitely hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I love that. I love that for her. What a cutie. She chew she chewed up all my incense yesterday, but we still love her. She might have eaten glass, but we don't know. You know, she's powerful. Yeah, she's she's got a strong stomach because uh Yeah. I came home and the candle, the the former candle holder that contained my incense was half broken and the incense was all eaten up. Oh. Yeah. But I don't think that she Good. ate any glass. She's had no bleeding anywhere. So, and she's acting the same. So that's good. But anywho. Anywho. I, I was on a stroll one day when I felt a, a brief pain in my nethers. For approximately Ooh. like a millisecond. And then I was <laughs> convinced that I had a UTI, right? And so in my head, during this, t- during, in this economy, you know, the big Rona economy, I thought to in myself. In this economy? Yeah, I thought to myself, what am I to do? I don't want to go to urgent care for a UTI during the big Rona. I saw from no. post somewhere how it's not the time to get a UTI or get STI tested or a yeast infection. So, like, what the that fuck, is vagina? definitely a Facebook ad running around right now in tandem with I got eight UTIs in 2016 with a picture of this girl who started a company and her boyfriend who gave her said UTIs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's brave. I mean, you don't he's always brave. get UTIs from like partners, but we'll talk about that. You don't, in this episode. and we'll talk about that. So the pain went away naturally, and like I definitely don't have a UTI, so crisis averted. Um, and then I thought, what if you know we talked about all the things that could go wrong when it comes to sexy times relating to infections? Because I am a healthcare worker, and this is the type of shit that I like to talk about. Because sex, fuck yeah, can and should be fun as fuck, but there's some pretty nasty things that can happen. And we want to provide you with the knowledge of what those things are, how to prevent those things. And yeah. Yeah. And also destigmatizing yeah. many of those things because they're normal. And Tonks agrees with me, even though she's just scratching herself. So she's, she's fervently agreeing. That's a word that I'm going to use fervently. Yes. I'm also trying to yes. watch her because she will eat Rocky's food and Rocky just eats whenever he wants. So she already ate her dinner and his bowl is still full of food. So she's like ready to go. She's ready for it. Yeah. She's prepared. Yeah. And she knows that she shouldn't because I'll say leave it and then she'll come sauntering to me. Perfect. Well, yeah. Anyway. Great. So this week we're talking sex gone wrong. Um, but, uh, before that, please enjoy this little break. Welcome back to our channel. I haven't said that in a while. I'm like energized because I'm a glass and a half of wine in. Woo. She's on fire. Yeah. So like I'm here, I'm not queer, and I'm ready to roll. 
This is all true. This is all very true. This is all real. Anyway, okay. And we're back. I couldn't find what I was looking for, so whatever. Hooray! Um, as I is all... Ugh. Did you see the Disney family sing-along? I didn't, but I watched the YouTube videos of the we're all in this together, and it was amazing. Minus My mom the, really enjoyed minus it. Minus the people from the High School Musical TV show, because what the fuck is that about? Okay, Kenny Ortega. You know... It's, like, about them putting on High School Musical but being high schoolers. And I feel like I already kind of lived that. So I'm, like, is this really an original story that we're telling? Yeah. Is that really? No. (sighs) So anyway, as I have already covered, pun intended, safe sex practices in episode seven, I will not be reiterating those points there. So this is not the episode where we talk about having safe sex. That, again, is on episode seven. So today, no, no, we are not talking safe sex. We're t- oh, I mean, you should have safe sex. We are talking about the gross shit that happens when you don't follow the guidelines of episode seven. If you haven't listened to that episode and you fail to follow the things you haven't heard about, Today is the day where we tell you all the terrible things that can start coming out of your nut, your lady bits and your your person bits. Your person bits is a lovely, a genital non-exclusive way to put it, that. It way. absolutely is. Jesus Christ, Tom! Now is not the time to be scratching yourself. It's like she has a UTI, but on her back, it's just itching. Beautiful. As I was saying, people bits before I threw my microphone and ruined everything, but. That's how it goes on this show. <laughs> we know this by now. Yeah, so we're talking about infections of the sexually transmitted variety, correct? We are indeed. Um, yeah, so there is a lot of stigma around UTIs, which are urinary tract infections. UCI. STIs, which are sexually transmitted infections. And why eyes, which are yeast infections. And quite frankly, ah. I'm tired of it. Right. I like that yeast infections have an acronym now. They don't. I just decided that they do. Okay, that's <laughs> to go along interesting with, choice. With the theme of this episode, you know, we got the UTIs, STIs, like I can't just be like, and yeast infections. Yeah, I get it. So but growing up with our magnificent sex education system of fear mongering. I believed that all infections of the privates were comparable to the bubonic plague, as anyone would, you know? Right. They are not, fun fact. And I'm here to enlighten you on a thing about a thing um, with my sources, because it's important to cite your sources, are the medical news today, very well health, and my own fucking brain, because I'm a smart bitch. Just kidding. I'm a healthcare worker, so like, I know something. And I've also had... You are a smart bitch. I've had all of the above, so I know a thing about a thing, you know? You know a thing about a dang thing. Yeah, so we're going to kick it off, you know, with uh, what are STIs? They are, my friend. Sexually transmitted infections, formerly known as STDs. But I think the name has changed because disease insinuated something far worse and something more chronic, which is not really the case. Um, most, I want, I want everyone to kind of shift their thinking. Um, Uh. STIs are like strep throat. They're, they're not fun. 
they're gross and they're contagious, but they're treatable and they're common and they're normal. But I want to break it down into a list of the most common ones. Now, this is not a complete list, but I just kind of want to talk about the most common ones. But I really, the goal of this for me is to kind of get people to start rethinking the way that they think about STIs. No, you shouldn't be like, yay, STIs are great. You don't want one. You want to do things to not get one, just like you would with the cold or the flu or strep throat. But having an STI is not the end of the world in most cases. Mm -hmm. So we're going to break it down, but I need to make an edit very quickly. (gasps) Or usual Switch it, change it, rearrange it. it. You know it, girlfriend. Okay. So we're going to start with the more treatable ones. And to kick it off, we're going to talk about the most common one, especially amongst the elder, elderly and here in St. Louis, where we are number one in chlamydia. <gasps> Congrats. Congratulations. It must be such an honor. It really is. And you know what's even better is that this is the one that I had the privilege of having. So I am just one uh, of millions. You just had like the local flora and fauna up in I, your vagina. I did. The most common symptom is generally pain during sex and dis- and weird discharge. But the reason it's the most common is because most people go asymptomatic, especially women, which is what happened to me. So I only found out because I got my IUD put in and the nurse practitioner was like, hey, your cervix looks a little inflamed. So I'm going to do a a STI test. And I was like, okay. And then I got the call and then I cried and it was terrible. But then I took amoxicillin and I was fine. Interesting. Yeah. Um, If you want to hear more about the horrifying story of my bull, like, terrible gaslighting ex um that's more in the toxic relationship episode and he's the one that gave me chlamydia so uh and then blamed me for it so yeah it was great um but that really opened my eyes to what stis are and that is most of them are fucking treatable and it's just an infection of your private area it's really not Uh that big of a fucking deal and when when your boyfriend who tells you that he's a virgin is cheating on you and not using protection and gets chlamydia and passes it on to you, it's not your fucking fault. <laughs> that is indeed correct. You are correct in that statement. So just a friendly it's reminder. not your fucking fault. Um, yeah, and that was my that was my awakening to getting frequent testing. Um, so cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers to getting your shit tested. Yeah. You know, like it's a scary, you think it's scary. Because you don't want to know the truth, but you know what? You're better off knowing the truth every time, man. Absolutely. And honestly, most UTIs are 100% treatable. And even the ones that are chronic are really not that big of a deal now in 2020. Mm-hmm. Which is very fortunate, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So Thanks. next, great. Yeah. So next up, we have gonorrhea. This one is known as the clap. And it's the clap. another bacteri- bacterial STI. Symptoms uh-huh. include burning when urinating, and in men, they often have white, yellow, or green discharge. So, Yum. 
Typically, women for like chlamydia and gonorrhea, they go asymptomatic. And the only reason they find out they have an STI is because their male partner finds out they have an STI. So, or mm-hmm. a male partner of theirs finds out. So, you know, just as chlamydia, gonorrhea, you know, most people don't have symptoms. And so that's why they're so common is because if you're not getting tested regularly in between partners um, and using protection and things like that, you are at a much higher risk. And, you know, just because nothing's going, like, just because you don't have symptoms doesn't mean it's not there. It's similar to a lot of illnesses nowadays where you can be a carrier, um, Mm -hmm. but so you won't have symptoms, but other people will. So you'll still infect others. So the, the main, don't be an asshole. Yes. So it's always important to get tested when you, after a new partner and, you know, in between partners and things like that, and be sure to use protection. Um, the next up and probably one of the most notorious STIs is syphilis. The one that is having to come back. Yeah. 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 The one that when left untreated will kill you or turn your brain into mush at least and like Swiss cheesy casual. Yeah. So this bad boy is contracted through direct contact with the sores that appear on external genitals. So unlike gonorrhea or chlamydia, where like you don't get sores or warts or anything like that. Syphilis is the one where you will get open sores on your genitalia. Um, So it can be transmitted through oral sex and is not always protected against by condoms since sores can appear on areas that are not covered. So they can be on the testicles or, you know, Mm -hmm. other parts near the vagina, things like that. So it's important, it's important to get tested for this one as well. And unfortunately this, the test for syphilis is a blood test. It's called the RPR. Um, But if you ever go for a STI screening panel, you should opt to get the blood work. Um, So that will test for syphilis and and HIV. Mm -hmm. I question from a medical professional, because I know getting donating blood has been like a topic of conversation lately with COVID Mm -hmm. and who and who cannot donate blood is a whole bag of worms, Mm -hmm. bag of cats that bag of something that I don't want to necessarily dive into right now um but it is hella problematic mm-hmm. um but if you get your blood tested for like one thing if I get my blood tested tested for like vitamin d deficiency can they also use the same test to test for syphilis um probably not it just depends on the test tube that it goes into okay so you can't always use the same blood sample because test tubes have different, um, I don't know what they would be called. Sorry, you can totally, I hope that you can edit out Tonks chewing on a bone in the background. I mean, um, we'll see. she's like, she's not even in my room. She's just outside my room. She's gnawing. Yeah, but I'd rather her gnaw on that than like my books. So, right. Um, with. With blood tests, and this is just tests in general, and that's actually a very great great question, Katie. Um, with blood tests in general, the test tubes have different items in it. So, like, some of them have heparin and some of them have other things that make it so that they can test for whatever thing that they're trying to test for. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, I can't, when I go and get my blood work for lupus, you know, I usually have three or four test tubes because they're testing for a variety of different things and each thing requires a different specialized tube with specialized things in it. So. 
And so, in theory, there's, like, something already in the tube when I'm getting my blood drawn? Yes, but it's sterile. So, it's... Right. There's, like, heparinized tubes or things like that because some labs just need certain chemicals in them to work with the blood. Okay. I don't know. That's so, then you couldn't, like, mix and match. It's not as if, like, okay, this test tube, of it's just my blood. It can go into eight other test tubes to test for a handful of things that I'm interested to know if I have. Correct. That's more my question. Yeah, correct. So you do have to go and you have to actively say, I want to get my blood drawn so I can get a syphilis and HIV test. This is what I'm doing today. Yeah. And you can also, a lot of places like my primary care doctor, if I get a STD panel with her, she automatically does blood tests. When I go mm-hmm. to Planned Parenthood, they ask me if I want to be tested for HIV and syphilis. I always say yes because I work in psychiatry and a lot of our patients are, you know, homeless or are in high-risk populations because they're drug users or things like that. And we have a lot right. of patients that have HIV and so I'm more likely to be exposed to it. So mm-hmm. I always, and I don't mind getting blood drawn, so I, I always opt for the blood work, but if you're ever at a place getting tested for STDs, it's always a good option if you haven't done it recently to get the panel for HIV and syphilis because you can go asymptomatic for a very, very long time. And for things like syphilis and HIV, you want to know if you have it because A, syphilis is completely curable and B, HIV is obviously something very important that you should know that you have. And the earlier you can find out about it, the more likely you can get treated and go, you know, and decrease that viral load. Early testing is the key to preventing death by AIDS. There's a difference between HIV and AIDS, y'all. There is. Give me one second. I'm going to move Tonks because I think she got closer to my door. So I'm going to move her to the living room. Oh, goodness. She's such a sweet baby. Do-do-do. Okay should be much better now. Okie dokes. <sighs> okay, so now we are going to talk about trichomonas or trichomoniasis is how it's spelled, but Ooh. I think it's just pronounced trichomonas. Um, this is also a common STI. Um, it's often mistaken for yeast infection. So my ladies out there who have ever Googled sy- symptoms of a yeast infection, you've probably come across trick. Um because the discharge and the smell and the irritation are very, the symptoms are very similar. So it mainly affects women. Um, luckily men, this is the one where men go asymptomatic. Um, oh good. They get something happy for them. So, and we'll talk a little bit more about yeast infections, but, um, with trick and yeast infections, it's very uncomfortable. Um, you know, you might have a weird odor down there. Typically, it's going to be that itching and that irritation that you're going to feel. So generally, if because you can get yeast infection medication over the counter, if that doesn't work, you probably have trick, which is a bacterial infection. So you would require an antibiotic for it. Lovely. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, Lovely. Yes. I- Antibiotics, what a time. I know. I love, I bet you people are really, truly going to love this episode. All about the nasty stuff. Um, nasty, nasty. Bacterial vaginosis, or BV. So this is what is most commonly referred to as, like, smelly pussy. All I can think of looking at your notes is the broken pussy wrap from season one of Insecure. 
Maybe it's dry as hell. Maybe it really smells broken pussy. Maybe it's really rough. Maybe it's had enough broken pussy. I just, and I just think of Broad City because there was like smelly pussy, whatever her name was. Oh God. And so yes. yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. So B V. Yes, yes, yes. So bacterial vaginosis is also a condition where that it's similar to a UTI. Um, except it affects the vagina versus the urinary system. And so it's a condition where healthy bacteria in the woman's vagina disappear and are replaced by different organisms. So essentially there's an imbalance with your, you know, flora. And the, the flora and the fauna are off. <laughs> yes, they're off. So symptoms include burning and itching, a white or gray discharge. And the biggest thing is that strong fishy odor that is, I guess, particularly noticeable after sex. When it says like you, if you have never had BV, I had the unfortunate situation where I had it last year. And literally when they say fishy smell, you like think that like, Oh, my like vagina like doesn't smell like a like a like a field of flowers that must be it no I'm not fucking kidding when I say one time at work I like moved in a weird way in which my legs separated so I could talk to a co-worker and it smelled like a fucking fish market like it is disgusting it is distinct and I blame one man and it is the same dude that didn't understand that I would not leave my family on mother's day to go fuck him and he randomly tried to slide into my DMs a bunch of times after that. And he was like, absolutely awful. And he made my vagina whack. Yikes. It was bad. I believe. So, like, it will linger if you aren't on top of that treatment, too. Like, go to the doctor. Do what the doctor says. And when you do get rid of it, you will likely still get a yeast infection. Because your bacteria is still so fucked up. Mm-hmm. So, like, go from the antibiotics or whatever you need for BB, then do the yeast infection shit, and then start investing in, like, wipes and really good condoms because, oh, my God, it's awful. And you once you have it once, you never want to have it again because you smell <laughs> so funky. And no one wants that. It was so funky and don't fuck dudes that get so sweaty that sweat drips off of their face and into your eyeballs while you're oh yeah no what i learned from that hard guy i went on 40 hard pass hard pass yeah so and also some people question whether or not bacterial vaginosis is an std but it is associated with having a new sex partner or multiple sex partners so you can take antibiotics to get rid of it but it does often show up again or you can have a yeast infection because you're just so imbalanced um yeah like it's gonna happen and it is your sexual it's your sexual organs that are having the issue and you're not gonna want to have sex with anybody if it smells like a fucking fish market down there so like get it fixed Mm -hmm. handle that yes it's nasty so the next of the treatable stis is the good old herpes that's right, weenies. This guy falls into the treatable category because treatable does not mean curable. FYI. 
Yeah. So herpes is also known as HSV, which is herpes simplex virus, which is the actual virus that it is. And there's two different types. There's HSV1, which is often associated with cold sores. So those are the ones that you get up around your mouth. And HSV2 is often referred to as genital herpes. However, you can get either in either location. So you can get HSV2 of the mouth and you can get HSV1 of the genitals. Lovely. Yes. There's barely a difference between the two viruses. So honestly, if you have cold sores like most people do, it's not much different than what people with genital herpes experience. So herpes has a horrifying reputation. Um, However, I think most people really need to know that it can be easily managed with antiviral medications. Generally, people go on a medication called acyclovir. It's the other little blue pill besides Mm -hmm. Viagra. And Ah. um, yeah, and usually, so you can take acyclovir and people take this for cold sores as well. My partner, he gets cold sores and he... um, takes acyclovir because it dries it up very quick and it deals with it very quickly because it's a it's an antiviral medication um and now to preface you can't use an antiviral on all viruses just an fyi like you can't be so for those who are like why don't they use that for coronavirus or things like that that's not how it works that's not how that works you dumb bitch it helps prevent viral infections um or treat certain viral infections herpes being one of them so Mm. You know, of the incurable, quote unquote, incurable STIs, herpes, honestly, if I had to like choose, if someone told me that I had to pick one, I would probably choose herpes because essentially you get cold sores on your genitals. They go away. They don't kill you. They don't have any terrible, like long-term effects. Um, And if you take antivirals daily, you will have outbreaks every once in a while. And the big thing is just you don't want to have sex during an outbreak. You can still have sex. You use condoms, use protection, and, you know, you can still live a completely normal life. And I think that that's really important, which is why I wanted to spend some time talking about it, because it is an STI that gets so stigmatized and it's not fair to those people. And it's okay to not want it. You know, I don't want a lot of things. Um, but if I if it happened mm-hmm. to me, it wouldn't be the end all be all. It does suck. It makes, you know, having those conversations difficult because that is something you need to disclose to, you know, partners. But if you're seeing someone who has knowledge of STIs and things like that, and if you are knowledgeable about it and what to do to prevent transmission, you should be okay. Acyclovir also minimizes chances of transmission as well. So if you're not actively having an outbreak, the chances of transmission are very low. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so you just have to be mindful of using safe sex practices, which are outlined in episode seven. Um, So I really wanted to spend some time on this because I think a lot of the treatable yet incurable STIs get a very horrifying reputation and it's, you know, it's good to be aware of them and it's good to, you know, do things to protect yourself from them. But it's also important to note that a lot of them are treatable. Fortunately, we yeah. there are many terrible things about 2020, but there are a lot of very 
great things about 2020, like the fact that you can live completely normal lives with a lot of quote unquote incurable illnesses, including Mm -hmm. um, certain STIs. So herpes, you know, it is a sexually transmitted infection, but you can get it. I mean, if you fucking like scratch your like genitals or something, say you have an itch down there and you're having a like a sore and you don't fucking wash your hands, first of all, gross. Second of all, like Dirty. you can still pass that on to someone. We know to wash our hands yes, now. Motherfuckers. We hope that we do. But I I just wanted to point out that, you know, cold sores and genital genital herpes, they are technically two strains of the same virus, but there really isn't much difference. So mm-hmm. I just, I want to make that clear and, you know, definitely it's important to have knowledge of these things, but also work against the stigma of them um, because they are very common. It is, herpes is probably one of the most common STIs um, because a lot of people don't know they have it for a long time either because they don't have their Mm -hmm. first break, their first outbreak. Um, And generally, if you take acyclovir, you're, you know, like herpes outbreak could last a few days. If you don't, it can last like a week or so. So that's another good thing about taking acyclovir. And they recommend doing it daily for those who, you know, can tolerate it well, which most people can because it's a pretty like, it's not like an antibiotic where it's going to like fuck you up long term. Like if you take antibiotics mm-hmm. forever, you like lower your like, you know, bacteria resistance and things like that. But antivirals aren't really like that because viruses are insane. Right. As we've. So, yeah. So I'll move from that TED talk to the next one, which is uh, the next of the treatable STIs is HIV Ah. AIDS. Oh, my goodness. That's treatable. Yes. Yes. Have you heard of Magic Johnson, man? It's very treatable. Magic Johnson, Jonathan Van Ness. Um, Yeah, Jonathan Van So this bad boy, HIV, was highlighted in episode seven. So. I'm not going to go into major depth of what it is. Um, HIV is the human immunodeficiency virus, immunodeficiency virus, and AIDS is the um, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, which is a result of HIV generally when it goes untreated or when it's just, you know, gone to its terminal stage, essentially. Um, I will say, though, HIV is a very, very treatable STI. Again, it's not something that you should be like, oh, it's treatable, so it's fine. It's a horrible illness to have, and no one no yeah. one wants it. But if you do get it, or if you know someone who has it, or things like that, it is not the end of the world, although it can feel like it. And there are mm-hmm. a lot of medications out there that are designed specifically to treat HIV. And the big key with HIV is your viral load. So that's pretty much kind of counting. If you were to think of it like cancer, you're thinking of like how much of the virus is in your body, similar to cancer, not saying that they're the same, but Mm -hmm. just trying to make it easier to digest in that the viral load, you're kind of looking at how much of that virus is in me, just like for someone with cancer, you know, is my cancer metastatic? Has it gone to other places or is it just localized? And the medication can get your viral load down to zero or non-detectable and that Mm -hmm. means that you are at a low like it is highly unlikely you will not transmit it it is 
if you keep your viral load down to zero, um, you can live a completely normal long life um, and things like that. So I read Jonathan Van Ness's autobiography and it's called Over the Top, I believe. And he talks about his HIV diagnosis and he's currently, he has a viral load of zero. So essentially it's almost like remission where, mm-hmm. and I speak of remission in terms of more like mental illness remission where, or autoimmune remission, where you can go an extended period of time without having symptoms or signs or things like that. And essentially you don't have it, but while you still Uh have it, so it can still flare up. Your viral load could still increase. If you go off of your medications, it's going to get worse, but you can essentially live a completely normal life. And the risk of transmission is like, incredibly low to none yeah and there are also things like prep and a bunch of other like this is not only treatable but preventable absolutely in more ways than one and yeah i i think i mentioned this in episode seven but in college one of our sororities like big philanthropies that we worked with was the elizabeth glazer pediatric aids foundation so I got very in touch with um, fundraising, but also for the specific and very underrepresented cause that goes out and makes sure that we are supplying funds to take not only take care of people who have been diagnosed with HIV and AIDS, but also work for preventative measures in both the United States, which has a, you, you think it's not a thing anymore, and that's only because you're not paying attention. And in more developing nations where it there just isn't sexual education far enough in that no you need to use a condom no um if you rape a virgin it will not get rid of your hiv status like that's not how it works so it's a really stigmatized disease and at this point like as long as you have the means and that's i think the big issue And that's what that organization really worked for, especially in the United States, of like making sure that people do have the means to have these medications and keep their viral load low. Because if you have the means to do so, you can live a very long Mm -hmm. life. Absolutely. And so I wanted to spend, and that's another reason why I kind of wanted to spend some time talking about this topic, because I think these are very important conversations to have because it can affect anyone. And, you know, you mentioned donating blood and things like that. And there are stipulations Mm -hmm. against particularly gay men or men who sleep with men. And, you know, they're, they're not supposed to, they've, they've decreased the restrictions to now, um, you know, if you haven't slept with a man within a year, you can donate blood, which is. Yeah. If you're just really not getting it, you can donate blood. that's incredibly homophobic. And episode seven was during Mm -hmm. our pride month theme. And that's when I talk about the actual like origin of the HIV stigma against gay men. And so I'm not going to go into that right now. Um, And if you want to know more about it, you know, either read up on it or honestly, listen, I'm not just saying listen to episode seven, but like, I literally don't want to repeat myself. So But it's important to talk about these things because they happen to a lot more people than we think. I mean, you experience BV, I experience chlamydia, like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I have loved ones, um, that are very close to me that experienced other 
STIs and things like that. And um, it's just, it's something that needs to be talked about because it's heavily stigmatized. And a lot of these things, and even the ones that I talk about that are not so treatable, they're still incredibly treatable. Um, and so really, really mm-hmm. all STIs fall under a treatable category. Um, but I just, I wanted to differentiate them between, you know, treatable in that, you know, the, the long-term effects of them aren't necessarily as horrifying as we think. And then the not so treatable ones where they are, they are a bit more serious and HIV kind of falls in that as well. But because of modern medicine, like we have progressed so far where people are living full lives and not dying like rent style from HIV. And there still are people who are dying because they don't have the means to get the medications that they need, or they have other, you know, we have a lot of patients who, a lot of our patients who are HIV positive, they're not compliant with their medications because they're not compliant with any of their medications because they have schizophrenia mm-hmm. and they get actively psychotic and they're homeless and things like that. So there are a lot of people who go untreated um, because they don't have the means to do so. And, you know, I think it's important to raise awareness against the stigma because it's really, it's not great but it's, it's not as bad as we think. And it's important to not, you know, treat, like I don't treat my patients who are HIV positive any differently than I treat anyone else. And, mm-hmm. you know, I and there was a time where doctors wouldn't treat HIV positive patients because we didn't understand the science, but you know what? Now we exactly. do. Exactly. I've had blood that was HIV positive all over my like gloved hands. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just wash my hands because at the end of the day, the risk of transmission is incredibly low. And even, mm-hmm. I mean, even for someone who has a high viral load, just wearing gloves and doing hand hygiene reduces the chances that I will get it, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's, this is why I wanted to talk about this topic because it's such a stigma to talk about infections of the genitalia area. And it's so important. And we're living through a huge conversation about like every other conversation is about COVID and it's about a virus. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is like, there's this one thing that's affecting all of us, but I don't think we're having the same conversation about STIs that affect literally at some point it's going to affect you or someone, you know, and that's, it's the same impact level. Okay. Like you're not trapped in your house because of herpes, but like, you know, somebody who has it, I'm sure. I feel like that implied that I have herpes and I don't, but <laughs> not that it would matter. Do you say you feel like you have herpes? I definitely don't have herpes. <laughs> but I feel like that, like the way I said that implied oh, yeah. that I do. And I don't want to like not... I don't really care because, like, yeah, and the fucking stigma, but, like, I'm not, it's not a pain I've experienced, man. (laughs) I don't even get cold sores. Like, no. (laughs) Though I had a pimple this week that looks like a cold sore, and I was, like, very scared. I was like, oh, my God, did I finally make out with the right person at the right time and get the face herpes? (laughs) No, it was just a really awkwardly placed lip pimple. These are my dilemmas, babe.
So now we're going to talk about the not so treatable. And by that, I just mean more serious, not the HIV and herpes or herpes really isn't that serious, to be honest. Like it sucks, but like you're not going to die from it. So, um, right. But HIV is obviously very serious, but I'm talking about different ones this time. So for the not so treatable section, I put the human papillomavirus, which is also known as HPV. So this is the one that is linked to cervical cancer, and it's the one that most people remember getting that three-phase vaccine for between the age of 11 and 15. So Mm -hmm. HPV doesn't have any symptoms, but it is linked to um, certain types of cancer, which is why it's, you know, why there's a vaccine for it and things like that and why most, like, adolescents get it. Um, It's also unbelievable. A, did you know that that vaccine was only marketed towards mm-hmm. little girls yeah. at first? Because at first, and, like it I was would, like, because it causes cervical cancer, but it was never a conversation. Like maybe we should understand that these boys will so- someday have sex with these women and give them yeah. HPV. I mean, I I got the vaccine pretty much as soon as it came out. My mom made me get it. So. Me um, too. It's unbelievable. And my mom made my brother get it. And the doctor was like, he doesn't need to. And she was like, no, he's going to have a girlfriend someday. And if he gives her HPV, yeah. I'll kill him. And sometimes I'm very yeah, proud of my mom. mom. So it's it's unbelievably common because it's asymptomatic. Again, it's very easily spread. because People don't think mm-hmm. to get tested. And HPV is one of those, like, I don't even, I honestly don't even know how they test for it. I know for women, they test for it via like pap smears and shit. But yeah, I don't I don't know. It's pap smears and there are lots of different types of genital warts. So there are the ones that are directly related to cancer that are prevented by that shot that you probably got. And then there are ones that are not protected from that shot. And those are the ones that like we don't care as much about because they don't cause they don't we don't know that they cause cancer. So like I have tested through pap smears for like weird material or like it was a really vague statement but my doctor was like yeah like you have hpv but not the bad one and i was like this is not helpful (laughs) this is not good and like it's not gonna do anything like it's very asymptomatic when they say genital warts like i don't my vagina does not look like warty it does not look like a toad or so i've been told i don't know But, like, it's still not great to hear. But at the same time, 80% of sexually active people will have some kind of HPV at some point. Like, most people do not know that they have it. And women only really know when they get, like, a huge thing shoved up them and swabbed around. And it's weird and uncomfortable. And it happens every year. And it's weird. And it only happens every year if you are of a certain age or do get weird test results back which I'm in that category. So I get a pap smear every year and it mm-hmm. fucking sucks. I was actually supposed to get that pretty, pretty right now-ish. And I'm clearly not at the doctor because <laughs> COVID. COVID. <laughs> Nothing says, let's not swab your insides like a pandemic. Yeah, like, yeah. Thank you for the yeah. educational <laughs> lesson, Katie. I've got nothing to add. You're welcome. Um, I try I try to yes. do what I can. The next and last one I put up of the STI variety. I know this is a very long section, y'all, but UTI and yeast infection are short and sweet, baby. Um, is, is hepatitis, Ooh. specifically hepatitis B and C. So there's A, B, and C. Um, a, I believe, is more of the autoimmune. 
um, variety. I could very well be wrong. I am not an expert in the liver. Um, so I'm going to Google it right now to check myself. <laughs> nope, just kidding. You, you Google that. Hep right A is a vaccine preventable communicable, communicable disease of the liver. So I'm just fucking wrong. But um, there is autoimmune oh. hepatitis as well. Um, but anyway, Hep B and Hep C are both sec- can both be transmitted sexually. Um, hepatitis means inflammation of the liver, like that's the Latin meaning. Um, so, yeah, I've always associated hepatitis yes, with alcohol. So you can get you can get hepatitis um, and cirrhosis from alcohol as well. Um, but needless to say, you don't want it, especially if you like alcohol. Um, so. Over time, chronic infection with hep B can lead to scarring of the liver, cirrhosis, and or liver cancer. Um, Fortunately, there's a vaccine that can protect you against hepatitis A and hepatitis B, hepatitis B being the STI one. Hep C does not have a vaccine, but it can also be transmitted sexually. So it's important to be mindful of that. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, there's not, I don't know... I believe that there's a test for it, but it's not commonly on the STI screening unless you know that you've been in contact. I think you have to be in a high-risk situation for that, for them to really test you. They would do a whole panel for you if that were the case. So um, now we're going to move on. Um, So like I said, Uh that was not a complete list of STIs. If I was to go into a complete list, that would be like a two-part episode. So where do UTIs and yeast infections fall in this stuff? Well, many people associate the two with sex. So if you get a UTI or yeast infection, you're just nasty, which is not true. I think especially for women, we're, we're told that it's gross and that it's dirty and all these things. And that's not true. They're both incredibly Mm -hmm. common. Now, if you are gross and yeah. dirty, a.k.a. men who don't wash their penises, you can cause these things for women. Why? Because our urethras are shorter, first of all, for UTI. And if you like to eat the booty and you don't fucking clean in between or even just mm-hmm. anything with the booty, you never go from B to V, okay? And I'm just that very clear you 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 as a partner you don't go to b to v and you as a person do not put an f in a b and then put an f in you remember that kids it's important and yeast infections are common i mean fucking babies get them all the time it's called thrush okay so anyway utis also known as a urinary tract infection um, so it is an infection mm. of the urinary tract system. So it's not even like your vagina for men. It's still your penis because it's the same. Um, yeah, the outer yes, carriage women, is pretty simple. Women, the inner carriage is a bit more complicated. So, um, the uh, UTI, the most only. common symptoms are painful, frequent urination. So you constantly feel like you have to pee. The, the one time I had a UTI was the mm-hmm. day after Thanksgiving. It was really fun. Um, I had to drive myself. Yep. Black Friday UTI. I drove UTI. to urgent care and I said, hey, I think I have a UTI. And they tested my urine and they were like, you do. And then they gave me antibiotics and a medication that turned my pee orange and I felt better. Like, yep. 
It was every two seconds I felt like I had to pee and I didn't. And then every time I tried to pee, it burned and it was awful. Yeah. And I was in tandem with that BV I talked about earlier, also to UTI. And there's like over the counter medication that you pick up. And I like woke up, didn't have time to go to the Walgreens, like by my house. Went to work. There's a CVS on my way from the train to work. Ran into my hottest coworker trying to find UTI medication at the CVS. He was getting a yogurt. I was getting pee meds. Yeah. It was so, awful. No, you're Sorry fine. Sorry to cut you off. That just UTIs are not back. fun. It is a horrifying experience. I've had one and they're it was the worst thing. I'd rather have a yeast infection. I'd honestly rather have chlamydia because both are far less mm-hmm. terrible. I had a UTI. I had They're the symptoms uncomfy. of a UTI for less than a day. And I hate, I wanted to rip my lower half off. It's like really just violently yes. inconvenient. And key thing I learned. So one of my favorite podcasts is called Stuff You Should Know. It's hosted by two old men who sound a lot like my dad. And a couple of weeks ago, they had a show on bidets because in a TP shortage, why not just mm-hmm. get a bidet? And they recommended it based on their research for UTI yeah. prevention. So you can get like bidet hookup to A, decrease your TP usage. B, just have a really clean bunghole and like give it a little squirt before and after sex. And it helps prevent yeah. UTIs. Isn't that fun? Get a bidet. Yeah. So... They're not great. Um, the causes are, it can be sex because if you're going from B to V. So essentially, mo- the most common cause of a UTI is E. coli bacteria, which is found in your intestines, which means that it's found in your fucking shit. It's found in your butthole. So, you know. And Chipotle. And Chipotle, but not, it's <laughs> romaine lettuce because people aren't washing their hands after they wipe their butts, so. Um, so yes, sex, certain kinds of birth control can cause it, um, just because of the pH imbalance and all that shit. And then, yeah, getting poop bacteria Mm -hmm. into vagina land. So even if you're wiping from like back to front, um, that can give you a UTI, which would be, that's like gross to do that. Yep. So don't like separate it. If you want to wipe your butthole first, do that, but then grab (laughs) new toilet paper to wipe your they're distinct and separate areas. You exactly. got to keep them sacred. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. that's just short and sweet. It's terrible. It's incredibly common, and um, it's it's normal. And the next the next one, which is yep. considerably much grosser than a UTI, but far less terrible, is a yeast infection. And this is just where you enter itchy, Yum. itchy, 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 itchy land. It's like allergy season, but of your vagina or penis. I don't know. Yes. So your vagina's trying to be a basic quarantine bitch and make bread, but all she can make Precisely. is yeast. Exactly. <laughs> and oftentimes the discharge. So for those who don't know who are listening, the vagina um, has natural discharge that cleanses itself. And there's normal discharge, there's discharge in ovulation that you can tell that you're ovulating, and there's STI discharge, and there's mm-hmm. yeast infection discharge, which is almost like cottage cheese-like, and that's not an exaggeration. That is It is truly, if you add water to yeast when you're baking, it is the same consistency. 
that's what's in your vagina. It like there was a Reddit post about a girl who made yogurt out of her yeast infection yeast. Like it is, it's the same shit. It's the same shit in a place it should not be. It's really gross. Pro tip, if it, if you feel pain before you pee and you feel like you need to pee, you have a UTI. If you have pain while you pee, no, you can yeast very infection. much still have a pain while you pee and a UTI. That's what I had. It's just terrible I mean, all around. Yeast infection, if you're itchy, yeah. it's likely a yeast infection or like trichomonas or bacterial vaginosis. But it can like it, burn while you pee can. with a yeast infection, is what but, I'm saying. Like there, there's sometimes more relief while actively peeing with a UTI where, like, you, you, it hurts to pee with a yeast infection. See, my experience. My experience. I, never, I only got the itchiness. Like, if, if my hoo-ha gets super itchy, then I know. Oof. And you can also tell. <laughs> that hoo-ha is discharging. Because if you actually, like, get an up-close look at your, your genitals, you'll see the yeast. And because I'm a healthcare professional, I know what yeast infections look like because I worked in oncology. And so mm-hmm. these are people who don't have immune systems. And so they would get, you know, thrush of the mouth, pretty common. Same thing. It's just different locations. So Ooh. it's essentially thrush and of your vagina. And so you treat it with over-the-counter medications, generally uh, myconazole or monostat. That's like the most common brand for it, but you can get like, it's just myconazole. That's an antifungal. Um. So essentially the cause of it is an overgrowth of candida, which is the type of uh, fungus um, that is causing it. So um, antibiotics can actually cause yeast infections, weakened immune systems, which is why I think I got, so I got a lot in a one year period because I was dating someone who had poor hygiene. Um, and so that's part of the reason because I haven't had one since, but also I have a weakened immune system, so I'm more mm-hmm. susceptible to them. Um, so, you know, people with diabetes are pretty common to get them. Certain birth controls can cause, cause them and warm and moist environments. So that's why they recommend getting like cotton underwear because it's breathable. Um, especially if you're actively dealing with a yeast infection. However, my pro tip is if you have a yeast infection and you're using over the counter medications, put a panty liner in your underwear because that shit's gonna like, cause gravity. So then... You get it on the yeah. like the panty liner and not your underwear because that stuff is gonna. It's like a tampon yeah. for those who haven't done it. You can either get the like ovule things, but those are more expensive generally. Like a- so I just opt for the cream because it actually gives relief a lot faster, in my opinion. So this is just pro tip section. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to opt for a facial. Yeah. While I do this, and then just lay horizontally yeah. for a really long time and look they at Instagram. It, they recommend doing it Perfect. at bedtime because you're laying horizontally generally, so it stays up there. But um, typically the next mm-hmm. day you'll have kind of, it just all comes out. But that's okay. That's normal. That's what yeah. Talk about. That's how gravity works. So, you know, none of these things are fun to experience. The key um Specifically for UTI no. and yeast infection, the key is good hygiene and peeing after sex. So if you're someone who's at a higher risk of mm-hmm. getting a yeast infection or UTI, definitely look into getting like pH wipes or um, washes that are specifically designed for 
the genitalia, like this is geared towards women because of our pH imbalance. Um, so then you can just wash your penis mm-hmm. normally. Um, and if you have foreskin, make sure. Just give it a good rub down, baby. We know you're doing yeah, that already well, somehow. Just do it with soap and water once skin, in a while. Please pull it back and clean. Um, for women, do not use normal soap on your vagina. That's terrible. Also, try to avoid fragrances because that will lead to UTIs and yeast infections as well. So get pH-specific washes for your vagina if you need to. And make sure you wash after sex. Literally every time after I have sex, I, I like make sure to go to the bathroom and I will like either use a washcloth or something or shower or whatever to make sure that I'm clean after because I don't want anything lingering because I ain't trying to get a yeast infection or UTI. So not fun. Um, to prevent mm-hmm. STIs, use condoms. Um, yeah. So now that we know what these things are, I apologize. This is an extensively long episode. Now that we know what these things are, how do you talk to a significant other about them, right? Um, my biggest tip is mm-hmm. just to be honest. If you're seeing an adult human who acts like an adult human, they should not be dickheads about it. If you're dating someone who's going to, if you can't talk to your partner about these types of things, you should really consider being with them because they're not mature. If they are not mature enough to fucking handle like a period, they're not going to be mature enough to handle this and they should not be mature enough to have sex with you. I'm just saying. Pro tip. Basically, that's that's fair. That's, like yes. I said, I had, I had a former partner yes. who had given me chlamydia because he was sleeping with other people and not using protection and not getting tested and putting myself and Lord knows how many people at risk. And when I found out that I had it, I told him as soon as I found out and I informed him that I had the prescription of amoxicillin for myself and for him and he blamed me. And then later that day, I walked in on him having sex with his ex. So it was great. It was awesome. I loved it. And then because it was a gaslit relationship and toxic and terrible, I stayed with him. Duh. And I ended up, even though I got tested after being treated initially and I came back negative, I was still stupid and young and dumb. And I didn't get tested again in between him and my next partner. And I had chlamydia for almost a year because I had no symptoms and I was staying Mm -hmm. and I was with one person. And so I was like, I don't need to get tested. But I got tested on a whim the next time I went to my gynecologist, um, which for women, generally we go every year. And, you know, some mm-hmm. people go further in between, but me being me, I go every year. And I I found out that I had it and I cried. I found out at work because they called me and I cried and it was awful because I was – I you know, was kind of taken back to my prior experience. And I was like, he's going to dump me and he's going to do, you know, he was a fucking bro about it. Cause he was mm-hmm. an adult and he was totally responsive and he, he didn't end up getting tested. Um, because I just gave him the amoxicillin and then I got tested afterwards and whatnot. And I w- I've been negative since ever because I, I now get tested in between every partner, mm-hmm. which is very important. And I also get tested annually. Right now I'm in a relationship, but even if you're in a relationship, you yeah. should get texted, uh, tested. But, yeah, but trust um, me, bitch. when I, 
so that was that was the next partner but flashback to the the shitty partner you know i had had sex with someone before him and i hadn't gotten tested and i told him i was like hey i tested positive for chlamydia you know i've you know you and i hooked up since my last test so i thought you know like you should definitely know and just go get tested he got tested and informed me he was negative so it was definitely my ex who was a piece of shit um and yeah so it's just it's really important even if you have no symptoms to get tested even if you're in a long-term relationship and you've been monogamous that's great and that's fine but weird shit happens all the time it's important to get tested at least annually in that case um because you honestly you never fucking know and a lot of these things are bacterial infections so like you know weird shit happens all the time and so it doesn't mean that someone's cheating on you if you're the one trying to convince your partner they cheated on them you're probably the cheater i'm just saying calling you out for it um Mm -hmm. luckily you know the next time that it happened to me um my partner at the time he was super chill about it super understanding it sucked we both took amoxicillin we waited a week to have sex and voila no issues since uh, i'm not still with that person <laughs> but um since then i haven't had any fucking issues because i would get you know when i was single i would get tested in between partners use protection things like that so I was very fortunate in that I had one that was curable, and that's not always the case. Um, Like I've mentioned, the biggest thing against Mm -hmm. STIs is stigma. Most are curable. Most are treatable. And, you know, they're just as common as the cold or flu, um, if not more so. And so it's hard to be honest Mm -hmm. when you don't know what the end result will be, but someone has to be an adult and it's a dick move not to tell someone if you've tested positive. In fact, in some cases it's a federal offense and you will go to prison. So. Yeah. You're putting someone in danger by potentially giving them a disease and you don't, you are not privy to all of their medical needs and what they might be sensitive to. And something may affect you very differently than it affects them. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like, Oh, no. Like, I I know I have, like, the light HPV. I know exactly who gave it to me because I was once young, dumb, and didn't use condoms because I was a dumb, dumb bitch. And, like, I'm not out here trying to give that to anybody else anymore because, you know what? It's something that you don't need to have, and it's not cool to give it to people. Yeah. Like, just don't. Just don't. Exactly. And, you know, I say this you know, knowing once that I lied about having a Sjogren's flare to avoid telling someone I had a yeast infection because I didn't want to be seen as dirty or unclean, but he was the problem. He was the one giving me yeast infections and I wasn't comfortable being myself around him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's important. And I've realized this over the years and it's hard to realize it when you're younger, but you know, the people like you can have sex with whoever you want and that's great, but Honestly, have self-respect and don't have sex with people who aren't going to respect you or treat you with respect. And that goes to, that also goes into, you know, safe sex practices. If you're seeing someone not a mature adult about Mm -hmm. safe sex practices and the risks of having sex with like people, then, you know, that's not, 
that's not someone that you should be seeing. I'm not going to tell you who you can and cannot see or who you should and shouldn't see, but you should see someone who's going to fucking treat you like an adult and respect you. And if you can't, mm-hmm. if you, you know, and things happen. I mean, I've had my one night stands and things like that, but it's important to also take that into your own, like you are responsible for your own health as well. So you need to be on top of it. If you did have a one night stand or things like that, go get tested. Um, and if you do come back positive, it sucks and it's super uncomfortable to admit it, but you have to tell people, like, if you've slept with five people since your last test and you tested positive, you need to let them know because they can be putting, mm-hmm. they're putting other people at risk and things like that. And if they knew and they didn't tell you, then they're the shitty person, but you're doing the right thing. There's nothing wrong with telling yep. someone and that's what's really important. And it's incredibly difficult and I'm not, you know, discrediting that. But the biggest thing is to be honest because you don't want someone in your life that's not going to handle that like an adult. Um, that doesn't mean being accepting right yeah. away. You want to be in an adult relationship, do you not? You want to have like adult connections with it's adult even, human beings. Yes, this is a and part it's not of even just a relationship adult. because again, you could be just casually seeing people and that's great. But it goes back to setting expectations and, you know, having pre- quote unquote preferences, you know, sleeping with someone who's a mature adult is much better than sleeping with someone who's going to shame you because you have a yeast infection. You know what I mean? Like if you're seeing, mm-hmm. and if you feel like you need to lie about having a yeast infection, like you should be, I knew from the get-go I should not be seeing, I should have not been seeing that person, but I still was because I was a dumb bitch who wanted the pain. And let's, let's be very honest with ourselves. We, this journey has been through the whole of the podcast of being a dumb bitch. We're not, we're not speaking as people who are like far past our dumb bitch stage. Dumb bitchness happens to everyone. And so Take this as, you know, whether or not, you know, you could have known everything about STIs or whatever, or you, you might've never had an STI or UTI or yeast infection. Lucky you, but probably know someone who does, and it's important to be aware of these things. And it's important to know that it's normal. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you are seeing someone, if you do end up testing positive, you got to be honest and honesty, it truly is the best policy. And sometimes it's really fucking difficult. But at the end of the day, you can go to bed sleeping knowing that you were honest to people and you told your truth and you're not putting more people at risk because you didn't tell them. So just as you would, with, mm-hmm. just as you would Hell cover yeah. your mouth with, you know, if you needed to cough and use respiratory etiquette, you should do the same with safe sex practices. Exactly. With the and genitalia. Yeah. Thank you. What a great time. Yep. What a good conversation. Beautiful. Right I have on. a listener mail. In in lieu of in in person relationships. My boyfriend and I were going to have phone sex for the first time. My mom wasn't there at home, and I started screaming and making loud moaning noises while on the phone with him. After five minutes, I heard a knock on my door, and I freaked out because my mom had returned. 
I was so mortified that I went to the bathroom and didn't get out for one hour just sitting there face palming. We have never spoken about the incident ever. <laughs> Amazing. So remember that if you're going to phone sex with someone in a house that your parents also live in, remember that your parents also live there. And that's this quarantine that. chronicle. <laughs> this is, I don't think it's a quarantine specific chronicle, but I thought the learnings of the situation were prevalent Absolutely. in today's society. With that prevalence to today's society, Amanda, what My is your happy, happy ending? ending? Is that it was seventy degrees out today? That was very pleasant. Lovely. Oh, how pleasant! It was also very nice here, and I took a nice couch nap for nice. like twenty-five minutes for lunch. It was lovely. My happy ending is that I found a robe Beautiful. to order for my birthday. It is full body length with feather sleeves or like fur. It's actually fur collar sleeves um, in black, slightly sheer. And I'm ordering a feather boa to go with it because Yavish is having a quarantine birthday. And it's going to be a time and a half. Hell yeah. With that, y'all, it's been another one. We we solved STDs, STIs, sexually transmitted things. If you would like to submit your own worst date, horror story, sex mishap, boner blunder, or symptoms of an STI, feel free to submit named or anonymous stories to 50worstdatespodcast at gmail.com or slide into our DMs at 50worstdatespod on Instagram. If you think we're valid sources for advice, which we totally are, then want to ask us questions, we'll take those emails too. Our goal is to base future episodes after stories that are not our own. We haven't been on that many bad dates, thank God. Also, we can't leave the house. If you love our music, it's from benzon.com. And if you love our cover art, it's by Tori Scranton. You can find her at T Scranton Art on Instagram and Etsy. That's another one in the bag. Good work. We did it. Yippee! We did it. Bye. Bye bye, kids.